Let it be on record that Chad just said a kale salad is delicious. <laughs> You're tuning in to Coach and Joe, conversations on friendship with God. Welcome to Coach and Joe from the worldwide studios of Brian Fannin's creative masterpiece. Chris King on the soundboard. Sean Curtis, strong prophetic voice. Speaking of prophetic, it's undeniable you walk in a strong gift. You didn't grow up charismatic. You didn't even grow up Baptist. You you didn't grow up in the South. You didn't. You grew up, what was the denomination? Covenant Church? Episcopalian as a kid. And then... And then Baptist, and then I was ordained in the Evangelical Covenant Church. And you're more tangled up than tackle box. I know, it's a lot. And now you're on staff at a charismatic church. Yeah. And you live on the East Coast. What's it like living here for you? You're a San Francisco guy. You're one of the coolest people I know. Everything you wear is cool. Uh, you always have zippers on sweatshirt. <laughs> you gave me a pair of sweatpants for Christmas a couple years ago. It's the coolest thing I own. I get comments about them. Usually a short, fat guy in sweatpants is uncomfortable for everyone, but the ones you gave me are like, hey, it's kind of stylish. What's it like, you being in the South? Um, we love it. Did you gain weight yeah. when you moved here? Oh, yeah. Did you? So much fried chicken here. See, I'm going so to call now. horse crap on that stereotype. I haven't eaten fried chicken in 15 years. You've eaten you, fried chicken. Are I you swear, serious? I swear. Uh, Everything else is fried. <laughs> it, you don't go to Chick Fil A? Mm, if I do, I'll get grilled nuggets. I'll, uh, well, that's true. I, I, I don't say I don't call that fried chicken. <laughs> <laughs> no, fried chicken's like buttermilk out of the cast iron. I'm talking like Kentucky Fried Chicken, Bojangles. Do you go to Kentucky so you, Fried Chicken? So you have categories of fried chicken. The, that, that. I, how many times did I visit you in San Francisco? Two or three? Uh, at least three. One of the times yeah. I came out, I don't know if you remember this, and I was like, I'm about to die. I'm always hungry. I'm like, let's go eat. <laughs> I spent $31 on myself at a salad place. For a salad. <laughs> yeah. I was like, man, I could yeah. get. But the truth is, it was delicious. It was delicious. Yeah. I, I will say about On a this. kale salad. Yes. But Which, it, was, it was delicious. It, yeah. I remember I remember just being like, let it be on record that Chad just said a kale salad is delicious. <laughs> there in San Francisco, because there's nothing else to eat. Yeah. Yeah. I um, San Francisco's interesting. It's everyone there is brilliant. Everyone has started a business. Speaking of stereotypes, <laughs> everyone's billionaires. Uh, do you do you eat do you eat Southern food here? Like. You search out Southern food? No, we actually had. I mean, there was there was some good Southern restaurants in San Francisco. Um, so there was Brenda uh, was a woman from the South that moved to San Francisco and, and opened up a couple of restaurants there. We used to go there a lot. It's amazing. Um, so there we can we could get it there. You um, took me to a fog raw party. That's right. Ba- strangled baby duck. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I remember thinking, man, this would drive Peter crazy. We should, what was it like? Three hundred bucks a ticket. Yep. So we go strolling into this. Was it an old hotel or a hotel? It was the original Bank of Italy, which was See? before Bank of America. See. And it was the original building in the top top floor, and it was a friend of ours who works in the restaurant. Everything industry. there is cool. I'm yeah. telling you, everything's cool. We go cool. rolling into this place. 
me, Adam Keys, uh, Sean Carey, and it's all you can eat baby strangled duck. And, <laughs> and I'm like, what? what? Tell the story of how fo- what is foie gras? So foie, this is not a joke. Foie gras is um, duck liver, and oh. in order to get the liver like of the right size and fat consistency, they gorge it. So they stuff they stuff the ducks. Full of food, it en- it engorges their liver. I stuff myself with about and twenty of those kill, ducks. Then they kill the ducks, and uh, you send all your complaints yeah. to Brian Fannin <laughs> at justgotfired dot com. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to tell a story. I can't believe I'm doing this on air. When my wife hears this story, it won't go well for me. Uh, I ate. I ate baby duck for three hours. I ate yeah. so much duck that I felt sick. It's fatty stuff, and um, it 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 didn't settle well in the port. <laughs> it it made its way down and, and never got settled. And so I had the bright idea that night at one in the morning to chase. Isn't the next morning? <laughs> well, we're <laughs> talking about the chili first. Yes. <laughs> okay. To chase uh, twenty to fifty baby ducks with a <laughs> with a with a pot of chili. You remember this? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll never forget. Carrie made uh, homemade chili, and our flight left about 5.30. I woke up about 3.45, and Adam said, are you okay? I said, no, I feel like I'm having a demonic attack. I don't know what's going on here. And I drank a bucket of vitamin C. And I walked outside, and I'm going to say this. I'm not going to go into it. What happened was metaphysical. Outside meaning our parking garage in the basement. So yeah. Not literally outside. It was actually well, it's all relative. In the basement. It's all relative. And I, I'll tell you this. Um, when I see a duck, hear duck, or think of chili, I it's not good. Moving on into more important things. I feel a little bit nauseous right here. <laughs> yeah. Moving on to more important things. This is episode two. That was a seven minute introduction on nothing. Hope you're blessed. We talked about dreams last episode. Yeah. Dreams are mythical, mystical. They're weird. Mm-hmm. I'm like a kid. Mama Sharon Billings is a prophet. She prophesied over me one time. She said, you're his inquisitive one. You never stop asking him questions. I ask Wendy all the time. I wake up and I'm like, where did dreams come from? What what are they? Mm-hmm. How the heck do I remember them? Mm-hmm. You, you laid a couple of foundations on dreams. Gratitude. Uh, be patient with yourself. And mainly the second thing you said was dreams help us connect to the heart of the Father. Mm-hmm. Let's get into more of the brass tacks of dreams. How do you begin to really go past kindergarten into a high level of dream interpretation? There's no way John Paul Jackson started off where he finished. I'm sure at some point he was like you. He's in kindergarten. Well, you don't stay in kindergarten. <clears throat> Matter of fact, Joseph says when he's in prison, mm-hmm. Hey, what's going on with you two guys? What's the problem? And he goes, oh, I got these dreams. And he goes, all right, give them to me. I'll interpret them. You can actually develop a swagger and a confidence, not mm-hmm. in yourself, because Joseph mm-hmm. in the scripture even says, God will tell me what they mean. Yeah. <clears throat> Which it's funny. God gives them, then he interprets them. Yeah. We don't do much at all yeah. down here. Yeah. And uh, by the way, I felt like he showed me that's one of the keys mm-hmm. uh, to dreams is humility and dream interpretation is humility. Yeah. Yeah. If you think you can interpret dreams, yeah. you're, you're not, you, you're probably going to stop having them. Yeah. The first thing to say is, Father, what in the world does that mean? Oh, by the way, I'm looking on this uh, 
this clock down here it says Dream Sky. Look at that. I oh, love that. that word. Is it Dream Sky or Dreamski? Dream Sky. That yeah. ought to be your nickname, the spirit. Uh, Dreamski. The timer clock. Yeah, yeah. Dreamski. Yeah. Uh, what? Some. Uh, this is not an episode for someone <clears throat> interested in dreams. This is like, how do you go around third base, come in there like Mike Trout looking for a catcher to pummel? Mm-hmm. What What are the steps to go to, to Ninja Land? Well, I think I think one of the early on, it's important to understand that there there are different origin points for dreams. Um, so obviously, humans dream. Like God made our brains to to dream at night. Our brains are active. Um, so they can come from our from our soul, the the mind part of our soul. Um, so they can come from us. They, they can come from the demonic, or they can come from heaven. And so because there are three different sources for them, um, when you receive them, you've got to kind of weigh that first. Is it from the Father, or is it some pizza that you ate the last night, um, or the demonic can can give them to you too? So. It's important to understand the source of your dream first. And early on, it there are some times that I thought they were demonic just because it kind of scared me. <laughs> but it was the father trying to get my attention. Hey, let's stop so, there. Let's yeah. stop there. A lot of people have misconceptions of God. I think yeah. the most dangerous thing in the world <clears throat> excuse me, is a misconception. Yep. A lot of startling dreams. Well, even in the story of Joseph. Yeah. He's like, uh, uh, you're out of here. You're a goner and yeah. famine's coming. Yeah. What? Yep. What? What is it? Why is the father not afraid to give us startling dreams? I think part of it is the humility thing. Like for me, one of one of my weaknesses it has been pride, and part of my false self has been um, has been a reliance on on my education and my mind. And so the father just started giving me these riddles that I couldn't solve to basically say, until you're willing to humble yourself enough um, and rely on me. I'm just going to confuse you. And so I, the first dream I had, I thought I was demonized, woke up, I was so scared. Then two weeks later, he gave me my second one, and I was freaking out. And That's there funny. was um, <clears throat> a woman in our church that had some experience in it. And so I, after our, our weekly worship gathering, I grabbed her, and I'm like, I think God just gave me two dreams. And she just sat there and, and kind of laughed and... And it took me a long time to start getting interpretation on the dreams, but it was his way of, of really humbling me and getting a reliance off myself and, and onto him. So it it does take a huge level of kind of humbling yourself and saying, Father, outside of you, Holy Spirit, outside of your revelation on this, I don't know. I don't know what, what this is. What have you noticed? Because I have my own answers to this. I want to hear you first. I have a handful of dreams a year that don't come from the Father. I've asked him 15,000 times, how is that even allowed? And I don't know the answer. Hmm. Um, at least I haven't heard him. How do you discern the difference between a dream from the enemy and a dream from the Father? Um, <clears throat> so one of, one of the tells in it is are, are the colors in the dream. So things from heaven are going to have the colors of heaven, typically. If... Um, if dreams are from the enemy, they're going to have the colors of hell. They're going to be dark. and Or, or um, yeah, so they're going to be dark. So that's one of the tells. The thing that, that I think is <clears throat> if they are from the enemy, um, usually they're there to scare us because all the enemy can do is, lie, is give us a lie to scare us. And I think the Father even allows that 
to help us flip them. This is one of the things that John Paul Jackson talked about in his dream course, that when the Father allows a demonic dream to come in, it's to give you authority in that area to, to um, activate something in you so that you can flip the dream and allow the kingdom to come in. So with the enemies intending for harm, the Father can activate you and give you authority in that area. I had a, <clears throat> I think it's funny now, it wasn't funny at the time, I had this dream, the Lord was in my dream. And I've realized that in the natural, when I'm awake, the enemy will overplay his hand at time mm-hmm. in my life. Mm-hmm. And in, in dreams, he, he overplays his hand almost every time. Yep. So yep. 95% of the dream, I am like scared and it's the Lord. Yep. And long story short, towards the end of the dream, the Lord's looking at me. And these two little baby snakes come out of the Lord's mouth and go <laughs> like that. And in the dream, I, I in the dream, I said, you had me until you did that. And I woke up. Yeah. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Yeah. But I have come, they may have life, have it abundantly. I have noticed that even in hard dreams from the Father, they are still life-giving. Yeah. And here, this is for me. When I wake up and I say, I'm not so sure that's from the Father, 99% of the time it's not. Jesus says, or the Word says, well, the Lord says, my sheep shall know my voice. Mm -hmm. It's, have you ever heard someone call you and you can't see him, but you know the voice? Like you would know Carrie's voice instantly. There's a part of us that's just deep in our inner man. We even know in ways we can't articulate, explain, or teach. We know his voice. Yeah. The ones that bother me the most are warning dreams from him yeah. that are from him that have nothing to do with the enemy. But the stern ones wake me up. Yep. You know what? In this past season, what he's done this past year, he has gone overboard to give me dreams of hope. Yeah. He, you know what's funny about dreams? It'll show you the Father's perspective on things yep. to where it may look like you're going through a hard season. The Father doesn't even see it that way. No. It's almost as like, are you ignoring this? Well, he's, he, I mean, ultimately, he wants us to be, you know, formed into the image of Christ. Um, and so he leverages invitation and challenge to empower us into that place. And if we need comfort, he will give us comfort. Um, if he knows that that we need challenge, he'll, he'll send it, all for the purpose of empowerment. I'll give you another thing about dream interpretation that I've noticed, because the Father has greatly improved my ability to do this. It's not just humility. It's not just gratitude. It's not just an awareness that he wants intimacy with us. It's also patience. Yeah. So let me give you an example of how it works with me and you. I call you the dream magi. I'll give you the dream. I'll chronicle the dream. But what I have noticed is your best dream interpretations typically come one to six to eight hours after you have it. Mm-hmm. You typically, you and a Joe Reynolds will typically give me a pretty quick interpretation. But the two dreams, two or three dreams that you have blown me away haven't come on the spot. As a matter of fact, one of them was a day later when you called and you said, the father just showed me. Uh, He just showed me what that dream was, and it was startling. Uh, Without going into detail, too much detail, I had a dream two months ago about strongman. Is that Matthew 13? That doesn't sound right. Uh, Let me look it up later. The Lord's talking about the strongman. 
I had a dream about something I was going through, and I had yeah. this thing was so intense. I was like, man, I was like watching a movie, and I did not know who the villain was in my dream because I didn't recognize him, but I, I knew enough to know something. It was mm-hmm. I can't really explain it without going into it. I don't want to share too many details, but mm, five hours after the dream, I'm leading a huddle. It was on a Thursday, and I'm writing on a whiteboard, and the Holy Spirit says, the man in your dream was the strong man, and I knew it was a person, uh, principality, and I said, whoa, I think if we'll be patient, there, there's a couple of steps. Chronicle your dreams borderline legalistically. Write every detail down. Yep. I save mine on my phone. Yep. Yep. I go back and I ponder these dreams. Like yep. Mary pondered the message from Gabriel in her heart. I ponder these dreams. Think on them. But then be patient enough for the interpretation to come on God's timeline, not yours. Yep. I think God showed me a picture right now. I think that he likes to like fish and see if we'll go like show some faith mm-hmm. and, and, and dive into it. If we have a quick Western mindset, yep. he may never give you interpretation. Yep. But if you say, Father, I will aggressively wait on you, you've, you've done this with me a lot. You'll have an interpretation a week later. Yeah. Any comments on that? Yeah, I think um, sometimes a couple of thoughts. Um, absolutely. He, he's got to put us in a position of dependence on him. And then there's something about because they're symbolic and they've got – he uses – you play on words, use the symbols. Sometimes talking it out loud, all of a sudden you realize, oh, like you start to get an interpretation because you're vocalizing these symbols and and you realize that it was actually a play on words. Um, for example, I was uh, had a dream um, and, I, and I had to, uh, I was playing a part in a play and I was telling my wife the dream, carry the dream, and I'm like, I don't, I'm not supposed to go into acting. And, um, but as I'm telling her the dream, but I had a part to play. I'm like, well, of course. The Lord is warning me that if I don't consecrate myself, then I'll miss the part that I have to play in, in my kingdom assignment. Um, so, so he plays with words that way. Another thing that I think is helpful is absolutely write, write it down as literally as, as you can see it in the dream. But then also have soft eyes when you're looking at it. And what I mean by that is when you look at an impressionistic painting, you've got to back away and look at kind of the big picture of it. And, you know, those um, uh, I think they're really popular in the 90s, those pictures that you kind of had to let your eyes blur a little bit. And then and then you could see what was in the picture. Like if you looked at it, like looked at all the specific shapes in it, you couldn't see the picture but you let your eyes blur a little bit, and then you could see the picture. Remember those? Yeah. That's sometimes what happens with dream interpretation. Like you back away and, and kind of get get soft eyes, and then all of a sudden it'll pop. And usually what I've found is there'll be a theme that the Lord wants you yep. to see first, and then he'll build out the details around the theme. A couple of things I've noticed of what you said. Uh, obviously, be patient. Yeah. Talking it out typically is in the context of community. Yep. There's virtue there and there's vice to there. Let me talk about the vice that I've been guilty of. And so was Joseph probably should not have told his brothers when he told them. Sharing pearls before swine. Yeah. Oh, I wish I could go back. Why do we feel the need? If you have a need for approval, what you typically yep. do is you will share your dream with someone you don't even know. Yep. 
That's not vulnerability. That's stupidity. Yes. What are the dangers of sharing dreams with people you shouldn't share them? Well, for me, one of the areas that I, that I struggle with um, is needing the approval of people. And so early on, I'm like, it's pretty cool that God's given me dreams. And, and so I was looking for social capital in that, which is, I mean, it's gross. Yeah, I've never that's done gross. that. <laughs> I haven't done it since noon. So it, it distorts our heart, our purity, and instead of it being intimate communication between me and the Father, it's like it's like talking to somebody, a stranger on the street, about an intimate conversation that I had my wife with my wife. Like I need to protect that intimacy, um, and so it just I think it hurts the Father's heart that He's trying to give you something intimate, and we start sharing it with people that He's like, "What? This is between me and you." So there's there's definitely a place of interpretation within community, but when we start just throwing it out, it's um, you know it's, what I love about yeah. Joseph, he matured. Yeah, you may have to go through a pit to mature. Yep. You know if God gives you a, a gift, any gift, you have to take the pruning in the in the wilderness yeah. and yeah. the grooming like a man or a woman. Yep. Joseph got to a place. I think for me, where Joseph got to is where I want to be is have such a dependence on God that he can tell you things that no one else can figure out. I mean, mm-hmm. Pharaoh was like, who is this guy? Mm-hmm. But in order to get that, the first step is admitting, not only can you not give yourself dream, you can't interpret them. You really don't bring much yep. to the table at all. That's not self-deprecation. That's humility. Yep. In the name of Jesus, yep. may you not despise dreams. May you not despise the prophetic. May you learn the craft of patience, mm-hmm. humility, gratitude, and even journaling these dreams, save them, ponder them. And in the end, when people praise you because you have the ability to interpret them, immediately point them back to the Father. Yes. Dream big. Go in peace. God bless. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to Coach and Joe. Catch more episodes on YouTube and podcast. To take a deeper look at friendship with God, check out coachandjoe.com.